Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Do me a favor, look at somebody close to you and say, hey, you look pretty good this morning. Do that, would you? You look pretty good this morning. If they don't smack you, it's okay. If they do smack you, come and tell me later. It's okay. Glad you're here. Hopefully you're ready this morning. Venue, I hope you're with us as well by this time. And we're going to uh, continue in a series we've called Centered. Today it's going to go out of a very familiar Old Testament passage. Hopefully we take maybe a different look at it today as we go to Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 5 to 8. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there. Um, earlier this summer, I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana for our SHIFT conference, which is our... our um, our uh, conference that we hold as a missionary church every other year. It's where we do some church business, where we vision cast, where we share updates on what's going on around the world. It was a great time together. We were in Fort Wayne. And I noticed when we arrived that there were some um, athletic teams that were staying at the same uh, conference center that we were at. And uh, they looked like they were having competitions or something. And as the week went on, I, I found out that they were tryouts for the Paralympics. And I don't know how many of you, and I, I really don't remember what sport it was, but they were from all over, people from Brazil, and I, I met quite a few folks from different nationalities that were there. And they were all here for this, 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 uh, this competition, but basically it's for them to be able to uh, qualify for the Paralympics. And um, Paralympics run parallel to um, able-bodied uh, Olympics. They're in, it, usually the, the Winter Olympics are the same year. In fact, uh, in 2018, after the Winter Olympics, just about a month later was the Paralympics. Uh, in the Summer Olympics, same thing will happen. I think the next Winter Olympics will be in 2022, I believe. And it, it reminded me of um, one of the sports that I came across last year that, um, I'm just going to tell you, blew me away. And it's downhill skiing for the visually impaired. And I was, just, I, I was just blown away by this and found a video on it that explained how they do this thing. And I'm one of those guys that I believe all truth is God's truth. And I, I am one of those guys who tends to see the Lord in the everyday stuff. And when I was watching this, I couldn't help but equate it to, to our life with Christ of his leadership in our life. Um, it's, it's, it's worth the three minute investment. Let's go ahead and show the video at this time. Go, go. Skiing for visually impaired athletes is not a lot different to normal skiing. The only difference is that we have a guide. In my case, that's Miguel. And the piece used is naturally matched to the level of impairment. The jumps are limited because it's really hard for the eyes to do the jumps if they don't see. The speed is not as fast. As with the able body, because the track is a little bit more easier, but that would be maybe the main difference between the able body and the disabled skiers. Aye, aye, aye. 
in our sport we go to different places where the snow's different the terrain's different so that's what makes our sport difficult and in visually impaired there's a B1 who is completely blind there's a B2 that is semi impaired and B3 only has a little impairment It's very important for the guy to stay in contact with the athlete. If they lose touch, the athlete loses confidence. We therefore have a wireless connection via Bluetooth. That lets us stay in permanent communication. During the descent, I get his instructions over the radio about what I have to know. For example, the gait sequence, rhythm or change in terrain, fast and slow turns. Diferencias en el terreno, zonas más rápidas, curvas más cerradas. I try as far as I can to follow my guide's commands. She gives me all the information I need. What I discuss with him relates only to the gap between us, and what he says to me relates only to the line of descent. And I really talk a lot. He has to trust me 100% because he has to be able to rely on everything I tell him or it won't work. The gap between athlete and guide is stipulated in the rules. During the descent, we mustn't be more than one gate apart, otherwise you get disqualified. In the slalom disciplines, it's not more than two gates. And if the athlete has a fall, the guide is not allowed to help them. If you can imagine going down a slope, blindfolded, it's hard enough skiing when you're able-bodied, but if you're doing it either blindfolded... So we try to do as much training as possible. Exactly. An important competition like Sochi increases everything. More people, higher profile. You have to be even more focused. You have to mentally prepare for all of that. Otherwise, at such a big event, it can be simply overwhelming. Now, I just want to make, could you hear that okay? Could you hear it? Because I, I, if you don't, I, I wanted to make sure, I, what I hear up here is different than what you hear in the congregation. So I, I hope you heard the, their description of what it was like doing this. And I, I'm going to share something with you that is probably going to be shocking to most of you. I can't ski and I can see right? I can ski now, and I can see, and I can't imagine being that individual who has no clue what exactly is coming next. And you'll notice the way that this, they, they said, okay, number one, they have to have a certain gap. Because if they're over a certain gap, what you're describing is not going to impact the next person. They tell the sequence of what is coming next. You have to stay in constant communication. You have to be willing to listen to your guide, and you have to trust them completely. 
what if, if your trust relationship with the Lord looked like that? How would that change your life if that was the model of our walk with Christ? Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 8 is a description of, of yielding to the Lord in sensing His leadership in our life. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Um, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. The King James Version, the New King James Version, says it this way, and I'm going to tell you it's a much better translation on this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. He will direct your paths. God does not promise straight paths. He promises directed paths, and there's a difference. Because there are times in our life when God takes us on paths, and the paths may not be very straight. And they may be bumpy, and they may be crazy, and they may be <laughs> they a little bit nutty sometimes. But God does promise that he will direct our life and will direct our paths there is something about walking in the will that God has for us. Now, my thing is simply this. How do we stay centered, right? How do we stay centered and follow his path when we can't seem to see? There are times in our life where I'm going to guess all of us have felt, in fact, some of you this morning, it's like, you know what, I want to, Lord, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm in a fog, we sang a song earlier this morning that talked about sometimes darkness hides the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we, we have wonderment. Sometimes we're seeking the Lord. We just don't seem to sense what it is that God would have for us. So how do I stay centered when I can't see the way that I'm supposed to be going? And as we work down through this passage, there are four things that, that the author, as Solomon is talking about this, that jump out to me that coincide with the very aspect of downhill skiing blind. And the first one is simply this, is I need to stay close to him. That no matter what happens, I need to make sure that I'm staying close to the Lord. Look what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say this with me, would you? All your heart. Ready? all your heart. Not some of it, but full devotion to Him. Now it's interesting when you talk about full devotion, Christ looks at us and He talks about what it looks like to be fully committed and fully devoted, and it has two aspects of it. And the first one is, is that we actually need to follow Him follow him. Jesus talks about following him all throughout the New Testament. When Jesus is describing what it means to stay close to him, it always has to do with this whole thing of followership. He says, he says, my sheep, John chapter 10, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. They follow me. Now this idea of following, um, I kind of understand it a little bit. Um, I've done a little bit of hunting outside of the area. And if you're working, especially if you're in Africa or someplace like that, when you hunt, they will often encourage you to walk directly behind them. And uh, so when you're walking directly behind them, I've had, uh, probably because I'm a klutz and I tend to make a lot of noise and I step on things and, and scare 
critters. Um, the, the guide will look and they'll say, now follow exactly where I step. And as they walk through, they will do this. They will step, they will step. And the idea is they want you to step exactly where they step because they have just proven that it's not going to make noise if you step there. That is actually the picture of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord and to follow him fully committed and fully devoted. Um, It was said about Jewish rabbis, those who would disciple others, that that, that that the students would follow so closely behind their master that the dust kicked up from the master's footprints would settle on the garments of the one following them. You get that idea? You get the picture? Jesus is kicking up dust, and you're walking so close to him in his footsteps that it's settling on you. That's the idea of what it means to follow the Lord. It's not a distance away. It's not far away. It is staying close enough to him that where he walks, I'm walking. Where he wants me to go, I'm going. Where he leads me, I'm following. It is complete and utter surrender to the one that I am following. Now, it also includes this idea of staying close means walking in obedience. And the idea is, is that when there's disobedience in my life, when there are areas in my life that I'm not following him, by virtue, it creates a distance to where it's harder for me to hear him. In Hebrews chapter 2, and we could do a whole message just out of this one verse, he says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. That means we need to listen to what we have heard. It means to follow what we have heard. He says, we must pay more careful attention, then, to what we have heard so that we don't, what, drift away. And if you've ever been in a situation when you have been drifting from shore, whether it's you floating on a floaty or you've got a little uh, little blow-up boat or maybe even a regular boat and you're not been motorized and you're drifting away from shore, it becomes harder and harder to hear the ones that are shouting danger to you from the shore. I made a big mistake last night for three minutes. I watched Jaws. Oh, I hate that movie. I am telling you, I watched that movie when I was a kid, and I still can't swim in the ocean. I can't do it. In fact, I have a hard time swimming out here if I can't touch bottom, right? And I realize there are no freshwater sharks up this far anyway. I used to tell my kids all the time, watch out for the freshwater sharks. And they're like, what? I go, oh, yeah, they're all over the place. you got to be careful. I'm messed up. My kids are probably in therapy today. We could have a discussion about the Mississippi. That's a whole other thing. Uh, But anyway, I I, I have a hard time, right? And the idea, they'd always shout to people to try to get their attention because there's a shark. And they're so far out, nobody can hear them. Here's my thing. When we've drifted so far from the Lord in our, in our current obedience and followership, it is really hard to stay close. And it's hard to hear Him. So some of you this morning are saying, you know, I don't feel very close to Him. I'm going to read this to you. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't feel close, I'm going to ask you a question. Is there anything in my life that, if I were honest, is hindering my closeness with the Lord? If not, 
than rest. Rest. Relax a little bit. He is not moved, and he is closer to you than you feel he is. It's a good question to ask ourselves that. Paul says, test yourself. See if you're in the faith. John says, hey, there are some things that are just inconsistent with a Christian saying that they're being obedient to Christ. So it's not wrong to ask yourself that question. Be honest with yourself. The Lord already knows. Is there anything in my life that is hindering my closeness to the Lord? And if not, I can rest. He's not moved. My feelings are not fact. Trust him. Number two, there's a second key, and it says stay connected. Not only if I want to understand God's will for my life, his leading in my life, if I want to make sure that I feel like I'm skiing blind, I need to stay close, but I also need to stay connected because constant communication is essential for success. Look what he says, and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. I'm going to say it this way. Lean not on yourself, but lean in to Him. Lean in hard to Him and stay connected. Um, I came across something this week written by a woman uh, by the name of Amy Roberts. Amy lost a, a daughter in 2008, and she has begun, they had five children, this was her daughter Emily, um, she talks about the immense emotions of going through the loss of a child. And one of the things that Amy has started a ministry is she's written a number of books now. She's written some devotional guides. And this one just so happened, it was available online, so I printed it out so I could have the whole thing. And this is a 30-day devotional uh, for the grieving heart. Again, understand the context specifically if you've lost a child. She tells a little bit of her story. She talks a little bit about the fog that she felt she was walking in in the days following the loss of her daughter. And so she began to just write daily devotionals, and then she gives you some questions. And here's what I found fascinating. Here's the first verse on the first day. Psalm 31, she quotes the psalmist, and the psalmist said, I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. In other words, he says, you know what, in, in my quick words, I basically said, you don't even see me anymore. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. And on the, on the end of this, uh, she does a prayer every day. And here's the prayer that she wrote. Oh, Lord, I come to you weak and wasting away from all this all-consuming grief. You are the only one to whom I can go to find refuge in the agony of my loss. Only you know the extent of my troubles and the numbing ache of my heart. There are those who fear my grief and those who cannot understand it. I pray that you blind me to the thoughtlessness of others. I commit my spirit to you, O Lord. Grant me courage and hope and strength for the days to come. Amen. What an honest prayer. 
I was so struck and I thought, what an honest prayer. It's not hiding what I'm going through. It's not hiding the hurt that I feel. It's not hiding. But what it is doing is with those, even when I feel like I'm in a fog, it is pressing into the Lord. It is leaning into the Lord even when I'm having a hard time sensing Him. Now, how do we do that? In fact, some of you aren't going through a time of grieving. Maybe the fog that you're in is not because of a, uh, of a feeling or uh, because of a particular loss in your life. Maybe some of you, um, we're in that season where we have young people going off to college. And so some of you are a little bit in a fog because you are that student going off to college and you're not exactly sure which way you're supposed to head. Some of you are parents who your children are going off to college and so you're in a little bit of a fog uh, because you are dealing with that separation anxiety. This last week we, we've had several who uh, made the, uh, the trek to the colleges and dropped them off. We're going to be headed that way in just a couple of weeks. And so we're, uh, this next couple of weeks, we're, we're processing that a little bit. We're going to be empty nesters, and so we're processing that. My wife's afraid. <laughs> she said, <laughs> she's afraid that it's just going to be me. <laughs> I just always look at her. When, when Brittany went away to college, um, she was crying when we dropped her off. And I looked over, and I said, oh, honey, cheer up. You still got me. And she cried even more. <laughs> there are three components to hearing God's direction in our life and staying in communication. And the first one is just a heart that's seeking after him. It's one of the heartbeats that we have for this Wednesday night focus and prayer is that as a congregation, corporately, individually, coming together and just seeking the face of God. And it is, I have found this, it is easy to seek God when you're sensing God. It is hard at times to seek God in some of the times we most need to seek Him. Number two, it's listening for God. And, and the, the two primary ways that God speaks to us is actually is through His Word and through the Spirit of God in prayer. That's two of the primary ways that He does it. There's other ways that God can speak to our spirit, but when we, when we slow down, when we actually get alone, when we actually seek him, and then we're actually listening for him in his word and in prayer, it's amazing how God can begin to impress and direct our spirit. And then number three, through the counsel of others. And there's something about godly counsel. Now, a lot of us get counsel, but there's something about getting godly counsel from individuals who we trust and who we trust their relationship with Christ. I always encourage people, it's not wrong to get counsel from outside of the body of Christ on some things, but make sure that we're also, that we're, we're, we're making sure we're hearing from those who have a value system that we agree with and that they understand and we look up to where they're at with the Lord because that helps us know that they're giving us wise, godly counsel. We've got to stay in constant communication. Number three, when I, when I can't see where I'm going, I have to stay yielded. And staying yielded means that I'm going to follow him even when it's counterintuitive and it doesn't make sense. Notice what he says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him not some of your ways in all of your ways acknowledge him the lord doesn't i put this down the lord doesn't want to just impact your life now and then 
He wants to permeate your life every day. And it is easy to follow the Lord when we agree with Him. It is hard to be yielded to the Lord when you don't. And sometimes when the Lord is leading our life and directing our life, what we're doing and the reason that we feel distant and disconnected is because the Lord has already been moving in our life and we're, we're, we're pushing back against the direction that He's giving us in life. Uh, Tammy and I were in Florida earlier this year, uh, first or second week of February. And I don't know about you, but when I uh, travel now, I am, <laughs> it's really embarrassing. I am almost completely committed to my GPS on my phone. I mean, I, I don't even ask for directions anymore. I just say, give me the, give me the address. I, by the way, have, how many of you use a GPS on your phone? That's the one you use. Most of you. Have you found that the GPS on your phone usually works the best in the areas you least need it, and it works the worst in the areas where you most desperately need it, like out in the wilderness somewhere where you really, because you can't get a cell phone connection. I've had that happen, man. I've been out there, I'm going, I can't get, no signal. I'm like, I, I need this GPS. I don't know where I'm going. And got to be careful in that stuff. And so we were down there, and we were using a rental car, which that's a whole other story, but that's okay. I won't get into rental agencies. And I, you know what? We don't know exactly where the enemy headquarters in this world, but I, I think it might be at some rental car agencies, but I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got one. I got, I got one. I got a specific name. Uh, <laughs> it's not around here. Uh, so anyway, so we had a GPS, and we didn't, we didn't rent the GPS from the, um, from the rental car agency. We just had it on our phone. And so we were going, I think it was to St. Augustine, but I don't know that for sure. Where we were staying, I know this, we had to go east and we had to go north. I know we had to go northeast. I just don't remember why we were going there. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was just Tammy and I. And so we, uh, we punched it into our, my, I punched it into my phone, and I'm, I'm listening to Siri, right? And I don't know why, because she lies to me all the time. <laughs> and Siri, not my wife, Siri. Um, and so, so it starts to tell me, and it tells me to get on this highway south. And I said, well, that's not right. We're not going south. We're going, we're going north, and we're going east. And so I thought, well, maybe I'm going to go on this highway just for a little bit to get me to north, right, to the north one. And so, um, so it tells me to take this highway. And I, I will tell you, I have pretty good sense of direction, except when I'm around Florida and Orlando. I, I just, the, when roads are going at angles, I do not have a good sense of direction. And so I, was, I knew we were supposed to be going there, and it was taking me there, and it did not make sense to me. And so I went ahead, and I wanted to make sure I had the right one, so I punched it in again, and it came up the same direction. So I said, Tammy, try it on your phone, because she uses a different app. And so I said, try it on your phone, and she punches it in, and it tells us kind of the same direction. And I said, this is not right. And I was so frustrated, so I started to go on this road, and I finally just pull over to the side, and I, I, I'm going, we have somehow put in the wrong address or something. This is not right, because it wasn't a minute. It was like five minutes later. I'm going south. 
And I know I'm going south because I'm on the road that says south. <laughs> and so I, I pull over and I pull up a map on my phone of Orlando area and I zoom it up so I can see where we're going. And sure enough, we were going south until we hit the road that was going to take us north. And it was the fastest way, it was the best way, it was about the only way from where we were. And I, as soon as that happened to me, I thought, what a perfect example of how sometimes God says, trust me. It is always easier to yield when you know you agree with him. But when what he's calling you to do is in the area of whether it be school or it's in the area of family or it's in the area of relationship or there's a word that you should speak to somebody, it, it, it gets to be very hard to say yes. And it's in those moments that God says, number four, you got to stay trusting. Trust me. You've got to stay connected. You've got to be close. You've got to, you've got to stay close. You've got to stay in communication. You've got to stay yielded. But you've got to stay trusting. Especially when you can't see where you're going. Especially when you are in a fog. Especially when you feel like a downhill, uh, uh, visually impaired skier. He says, you've got to trust me. And here's what he says. He says, and he will direct your paths. I don't promise straight paths, I don't promise easy paths, but I do promise that the ways, the paths of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. The one who is committed to me, I am committed to them, and I promise you trust me, I will direct you. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament Psalms is in Psalm 37. Uh, verse 7 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. By the way, I love that little phrase. Trust, trust in the Lord and do good. In other words, just trust me and follow me. Trust me and follow me. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And the psalmist just says, trust him. He loves. Can I just, can I share this with you? God wants you to be where he wants you to be more than you want to be where he wants you to be. And if you're yielded, you're submitted, you're seeking and you're trusting. He will not let you miss the direction he has for your life. We've been talking a lot about this over the last couple of years as Wesley has been making decisions everywhere from college to career to calling and what am I going to do with life. And a couple of years ago, and if you know Wesley at all, Wesley can, can sometimes, um, because he wants to do things right, he can sometimes get paralyzed by um, by just almost the anxiety of making a wrong decision. By the way, I have found he is a very normal young person because I can't tell you how many young people in the last couple of years I've been able to have this conversation with. 
And so I, I had basically this kind of a conversation with Wes and said, Wesley, just, you know, relax, you'll be fine. And, and I said, you don't have to figure it all out today. And it's always easier for a parent to say that than the one that's going through it. And um, I did something that I will tell you might be one of the best things I've ever done with my kids. And um, I got this idea, and I grabbed a map of Michigan, and I opened it up, and it takes in the northern part of Indiana, and I laid it on the kitchen table, and I said, I gave Wesley a Sharpie, and I said, uh, your brother, um, and I can't remember if Brittany still lived there at the time or not, but I said, your brother lives in Goshen, Indiana. We live in Port Huron. Get there. And uh, so he looked at me a little bit, and he said, um, well, which way do you want me to go? I said, no, no, I don't care. Get there. So he, he actually goes the way that he went the way that we always go. He went 69, followed it all the way down to I-80, took I-80 toll road over to the Goshen exit, Bristol exit, went down to Goshen, got to Goshen. He looked at me, and he said, um, is that right? I said, yeah. That's one way. I said, you know, um, actually a shorter way is to go 94. 94 is actually shorter. I never go 94 because I hate driving through Detroit on 94. So we always go the longer way. It's about the same difference. And so I said, you know what you could have done? And he looked at me and goes, oh. And I go, no, no, it's not wrong. I'm just telling you. You could have done this. You could have taken 94 over to 69, take 69 down to 80, take 80 over to the Goshen exit. Or do you know what you could have done? You could have just stayed on 94 and gone all the way over to Kalamazoo and taken 131 south, which turns into 13, which goes through Middlebury, which, by the way, is the back way into Calvin and Kyla's house. You know, one of my favorite ways to go down there is to go down to Highway 12. I love driving Highway 12, especially on a motorcycle. And I said, it's not near as busy, and it's just kind of a nice little drive. And I drive all the way across Michigan on Highway 12, lots of little towns, all kinds of little antique shops. And I said, and then you hit 13, go south in the Middlebury, and that'll get you to Calvin and Kyla's house. Hey, if you want to go on a trip, you know what you could do, Wesley, is that you could, and I'm taking the Sharpie, you could go up through Brown City and go up to Saginaw, hit 127, which would take you down to whatever road it was that I found on the map, and I said, and take you down, and that'll get you down to, to Goshen, Indiana. I said, you know what, Wesley? There's an incredible dirt road that is over in this area. And if you were to take this road over to that road, you would hit this dirt road, which would get you over to this road, and it would hit you over to this road, which would ultimately get you down to Middlebury, Indiana, which would get you to Goshen. I said, you know, if you really wanted to go on a tour, you could go up where we like to go on vacation up in northern Michigan and get down here, and you're starting to get the point, aren't you? Here's what I said. Wesley, God is the master of incredible back road journeys. It's always good to know where you're headed. But God knows how to get you to where he wants you to be. Just trust him. If you're submitted, you're yielded, and you're being obedient, I promise you, God will not let you miss the direction and paths he has for your life. 
I love this passage in Scripture in Isaiah 30 that says, people of Zion, and I'm going to say people of Colonial Woods who live in the Blue Water area, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be to you when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Father, as we just come before you today, I, uh, I have to admit, as this message has come together for me, I have felt a bit conflicted because I, I don't know who the audience is. I know that there are some young people right now that are headed off and they're, they're asking these very directions. And, and Lord, my prayer for them is just simply they'd be yielded and submitted. And Lord, when they're walking in obedience, I don't worry one bit. You know exactly how to order their footsteps. There's someone right now that's in a relationship. They're asking God, would you, would you I, I feel like you're not giving me clarity. Hey, can I just tell you, if you're yielded and submitted and you're walking in obedience, trust him. Trust him. I believe with all my heart he won't let you miss what he has for you. Some of you are in the fog. Maybe it's grief, shock, broken relationship. You're saying, Lord, I feel so distant from you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while you may. Scripture says that those who seek him will find him when they seek him with all of your heart. The word, the, I'm going to hold God to his promise. Not that I have any authority. It's just that God's word has authority. I, I, I take God at his word when he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Can I encourage you, child of God, rest. Rest. Trust Him. You haven't missed Him. If you're walking in obedience and you're surrendered to Him, I promise you, He will direct your paths. Thank you, Father. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.